0: Empire. Empire.
1: the personal trainer is about to be supercharged.
0: You know, we really built it from the ground up, um, focused around the coaching and the training experience and the tool sets that help enable that to again, correct form on the fly.
1: That's Masa Kabayama, CEO of Uplift Labs, where AI is taking personal training to a new level. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. The idea started long before a pandemic, finding a way to get proper feedback in form and execution when working out. Those who can afford the personal trainer get that, but who has a personal trainer every time they're in the gym anyway? These days, going or more importantly, returning to the gym are interesting subplots, and that's where Masa and his team at Uplift are looking for solutions. Our guest this week is the founder and CEO of Uplift Labs, Masa Kabayama. It is a group that is taking advantage of sophisticated athletic biomechanics and extending it to the masses. Hey, Masa, how are you?
0: Doing great. Uh, Thanks for having me.
1: Tell us a little bit about Uplift Labs. What is your goal and mission?
0: Absolutely. So we founded Uplift Labs uh, with my co-founders, Jonathan and Rahul, a little over three years ago with a vision of what we call improving human movement performance across all parts of our lives.
1: And take me through the idea of, because we've talked to a lot of founders who work with high-level athletes, Olympians, professional athletes. As you try to shift this to the weekend warriors, the everyday athlete, take me through that mission and and how you sought to reach out to them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So it really came about, um, the origin story was back in the day, I used to do CrossFit. Uh, quite a bit. And unfortunately, I used to injure myself uh, doing CrossFit. And so I kept thinking, you know, is it something about my form or my technique? Um, and I figured if I'm having this problem, you know, with a, as a weekend warrior type, um, countless millions from the professionals to, uh, you know, amateur athletes uh, like myself must be having the same issue. Uh, so that was sort of our aha moment, if you will. Uh, we looked at technologies out there that help kind of understand form. Uh, But really, we found nothing is really out there from, you know, wearable marker solutions that really get your full form. They're cumbersome to wear. Um, There are a lot of video solutions out there, but you don't have that kind of instant feedback. So we started to, um, yeah, we developed a product, which we call Uplift Capture, which uses two iPhones only, uh, no wearables again. And with that, you can get lab-grade 3D biomechanical data analysis. On your movement patterns. So with this product, uh, we are working with the world's largest golf instruction company, a lot of MLB teams, uh, starting our first foray into MLS, um, uh, into soccer, uh, and then now slowly bringing that down into um, amateur uh, kind of academy athletics as well.
1: So you collect all this data, and then it is translated for the high-level athletes, obviously, and and this is their profession, and this is what they're doing as you kind of think through how a regular average person like myself would take data about my workouts, how do you think through translating that for them so that they can put it in practice?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Great question. So the uplift capture product um, that we develop is, it's really sort of an enterprise level professional sports product, um, you know, sports teams. And as, as you pointed out, you know, very much, you you kind of need a, a sports scientist or analyst, um, you know, to infer the data on how to improve. The, we've taken that basis and the credibility, the validation that we got from the professional teams and really uh, launched late last year, what we call, you know, up, just Uplift, which is our remote, uh, in-person and um, remote training platform. And on this one, you know, whether you're working together, you know, side by side with your your coach or your trainer or your, you know, working out remotely, like many of us have been doing during this pandemic and are still doing. And we believe it's something that will continue in the future. Uh, we have AI technologies that, you know, we've developed from uplift capture that we're uh, now uh, transitioned into the uplift product. So you can get data overlays right on your form. But let's say you're doing a squat and making sure that your knees are not going beyond your toes. You know, we, the coach, even though they're miles away, they can see the data. Uh, on which, you know, you might have a poor form so you can correct on the fly, which is an example where, um, you know, taking that learning from working with professional teams and, uh, you know, making it very accessible uh, for anybody at all skill levels.
1: So is someone on your end, a fitness trainer, translating the data and then communicating it back to the regular average user, or is the app itself, Kind of explaining to the user how to alter their form to get better production out of their workouts.
0: The, the way we kind of situate ourselves is that we love to help those who help other people uh, for a living. You know, whether they are you know, coaches or trainers or physical therapists, um, and they use our tools. To be able to do that. So we certainly today, you know, we don't have like an AI coach in your pocket or an AI, you know, physical therapist. We, we're we developing these platforms and providing it to these professionals you know, ah. who then work with, you know, athletes or, um, you know, people who want to work out uh, or, uh, or trying to improve their movements.
1: It feels like an incubator for fitness trainers 2.0. Is that kind of a fair <laughs> way to describe it?
0: Uh, yeah, it could be. I mean, yeah, we we you know like maybe if we just go to you know to a high altitude and we see what's been going on through this year of a pandemic, where people are still trying to stay in shape and still trying to be game ready, um, you know, a lot of them are resorting to like using Zoom and Facetime, and you know, these are great kind of communication general tools or like business tools, but they weren't built for skill or technique specific training, um, and that's where you know really our our technology is way different. Where You know, we really built it from the ground up um, focused around the coaching or the training experience and the tool sets that help enable that to, again, correct form on the fly.
1: Um, Let me go back to one thing that you mentioned, which was the pandemic has obviously altered everybody's behaviors, you know, for good reason over the last year. And I, I feel like there's as we're speaking here. Before we started taping, I'm talking about cherry blossoms blooming in Washington, and you're talking about life going back to normal in California. And so I think, I think there's light at the end of the tunnel. But, but as you kind of survey the marketplace of how people are going to work out post-pandemic, what do you see in the future of workouts? Does it remain remote? Do you think people go back to gyms? How do you kind of view what's going to happen?
0: Yeah, I, I think a lot of uh, habit uh, has definitely been altered during this one year. Um, just kind of like a lot of conversations about the workplace, uh, there are a lot of conversations about a hybrid approach where some days you're in the office, some days you're working from home. Um, I think it's very much similar to both the sports and the fitness uh, training world and even you know things like physical therapy where uh, there's definitely added benefit where you're working uh, in person with a coach or a trainer, but at the same time, you know, and you get the convenience of being able to um, you know, work out from home. Um, and, you know, we want to ensure that that experience, whether you're in person with your coach or trainer or working, um, with them from home is, is equal footing, right? And, and we, and that's where the technology comes in, uh, that really enables that equal level of uh, playing field. So we, we're, we're really long and big believers in a hybrid, uh, world post pandemic
1: a lot of people who can afford it, um, have the type of new technologies that Peloton provides or the mirror, which has become very popular or fight club with boxing and all, all sorts of different, you know, uh, home gym, um, options. Uh, are, are you all looking at working with them to help enhance their data or do you see them as competitors? How do you kind of view that marketplace?
0: Yeah, I think right now we're maybe, um, in the general space, but I think a different approach, um, it's not to say that, you know, we might not be able to, you know, work together in the future, but uh, we're really flipping the script. I think for a, a lot of the services, some of those that you mentioned um, is really either, you know, on very highly produced, you know, um, you know content of a trader that you're downloading um, on demand, you know, to work out at your own leisure, or like the Peloton example you gave, even though they're live classes, um, you know, it's one instructor beaming out to thousands, if not maybe millions, of folks. So they're not really concentrating on your form or giving personalized feedback. And what I mean by still flip the script is that a lot of our coaches and trainers are spending the bulk of their time looking at an athlete or looking at, you know, their clients, um, whether it's a one-to-one personal training session or maybe a small group class up to 12. And, and that's the key differentiator. And I think that's been missing in the market where, you know, a professional a uh, trainer will really be spending time to help you correct your form, or help improve your game. You know, whether it's a swing, or a pitch, or a throw, um, or yeah, just like someone like me that was actually going through physical therapy a little bit earlier this year, um, yeah. and working with uh, uh, you know a practitioner to help improve my um you know my get my range of motion back.
1: Yeah, I, I think in, in a lot of ways we've talked to you know some groups that are working with you know, literal brick and mortar gymnasiums. And they say that they believe that community will still matter, that social interaction will still matter. And there will be a subset of people that once the pandemic's over, will go back to gyms. And that's what they're hoping. It sounds like what you are also saying is personalization really matters here. And that that's what lo- that's what's lost in all of the not being able to be in person with the trainers that kind of a fair way to, to, to discuss your viewpoint of the marketplace.
0: Yeah, at least that's where the state that we put in our ground. We really believe in the personalization, but that's not just to your point. I mean, the community development, we have some things to, you know, for gamification to keep it very engaging, more for the youth athletes as well. Um, but, but really, you know, I, I I guess I keep repeating this a little bit, but really the form and the technique is so vital that you know, how do you know a, um, you know, a, a 14 year old is pitching correctly, yeah. right? Um, just using like Zoom, for example. Um, it's, it's really hard. There's a lot to be, uh, dependent upon that coach's ability to really, to really look, right? Versus like being able to then be armed with data, uh, to see how your elbow, your throw, um, or even be able to quick. We have something called live replay where we capture just what happened, but we can play it instantly at 120 frames per second so the coach can control the actual uh, athlete's you know, iPhone camera or you know, Android camera to slow motion playback instantly so they can see exactly how they threw the ball, as an
1: example. Um, you had mentioned you were in physical therapy. I, I guess you see applications for all of this in that realm, rehab, healthcare, all of that as well?
0: Absolutely. So at the moment, we're working very closely with, uh, in the area of sports uh, and a little bit of fitness, uh, mostly one-to-one uh, personal training. But yeah, we, we're, we we definitely see already huge applications in the healthcare space, um, and again, you know, for rehabilitation, uh, physical therapy, and these areas.
1: I, I want to ask you about your background because this this is so interesting that you're in in this. Um, when people hear what you've done before this, it's it's a far cry from the sectors you were working in, like. Tesla and Apple and Lego and places like that. Um, I want to start just, just in general, how did you end up in the fitness realm with that background in business?
0: Yeah. So I think it's kind of twofold. Um, Yeah. I mean, as you mentioned, you know, I've been very, um, I guess uh, fortunate to have been associated and being part of, you know, these great consumer brand companies. Um, But really when I looked at my role, it was very much introducing some form of new technology to an existing, you know, market. You know, whether at Lego, it's introducing robotics um, educational sets for schools uh, for hands-on learning, or at Apple, uh was very fortunate to be part of the team to lead the educational efforts in Japan when introducing the iPad and how do you bring about a digital learning environment. Uh, and then finally, of course, at Tesla, when uh, as president uh, again in Japan, uh, launching the Model S. So a brand new concept of an electric vehicle, or I used to say iPhones on wheels, um, you know, the Japanese marketplace, which was very nascent, Mm. you know, with uh, with EV technology. So that's kind of the cloth that I'm cut from. And then, so to answer your question on the fitness side, I mean, that fitness has always been something that has been a lifelong, um, you know, as a practitioner. Again, not at the elite level, but just you know, someone who's very into wellness. Um, And I always felt there was something missing, right? Like, why isn't there a a smarter way on understanding how you're moving? And then, thus, you know, the injuries sparked on my CrossFit days, kind of put, um, you know, uh, the two things that were disparate together.
1: So it sounds like what you look for are gaps in education from providers to a public. And when you see that, that's attractive to you. Is is that fair? (laughs)
0: Yeah, I think you, you, you hit the nail on the head, absolutely. I mean, with 12 years of EdTech experience, and maybe you can even say that Tesla years um, was, was in a way very much educational, right? Like to the customer on how they think of um, building a more sustainable you know, uh, environment um, through uh, their choice of the vehicle they drive. Um, I think that is definitely a lifelong theme of mine and I, where I'm very passionate.
1: Um, I, I'll let you go in a moment, but you did mention something that, and I know it's really kind of off track, but mentioning that Japan was maybe behind in the EV market sounds almost counterintuitive to what the belief is and how forward thinking that that automobile market has been there. Um, why was that the case?
0: Uh, I would say, well, in, as you, as everyone knows, hybrid, like with the Prius, for example, yeah. um, they were very very quick to go hybrid, but to go kind of the extra mile, right? The full, um, you know, the, the full nine yards, so to speak, where it's completely going electric. I think in that sense, um, and even today a little bit. Uh, I mean, even though Nissan is a Japanese company and they had the Leaf um, as well, um, you, you just didn't kind of see the momentum that I think you're seeing, especially out here in California. Um, and so, yeah, it, it surprises a lot of people. Um, but in terms of the electric electric um uh, movement was was I think not as um, you know gung-ho as what you see here out in California, and maybe other parts of the US. And other parts and other countries as well.
1: Masa Kabayama is the co founder and the CEO of Uplift Labs. Thank you so much for joining us.
0: Pleasure. Thank you for having me.
1: On the next Future Sport Podcast, betting the derby and horse racing in general is advancing through tech.
0: And and we see it in our customer base, anyone that gets past three months as a customer
1: uh, generally stays with us, right, forever, because I think that's the, the path of proficiency, if you like, or the barrier of entry is once you've learned how to handicap. That's Paul Williams, CEO at First Technology, as the oldest form of American legalized sports wagering is modernizing with the times. That will do it for this episode. As always, the future is now. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. The Future Sport Podcast is brought to you by three advanced developers of sports tech apps that are AI powered and UX focused.